This is The Union, the intersection between people, apps, and AI. We'll inspire and challenge you as we ask questions, uncover insights, and share inspiring stories about digital ecosystems and automation. Well, hey there, I'm Scott King. This is Chris Krause, and wow, look, that's uh, John Michelson. Hey, John, how are you? Great, how are you? Perfect. Um, what are we going to talk about today is the speed of change. So as companies innovate and they want to get more productivity out there faster, um, there's a series of events that they need to make sure that that change isn't going to, um, you know, give un unintended consequences. Like I'm not going to break anything. Right. So I have to test everything that, you know, I've got to test everything. Right. So if I change a piece of software, if I change an application, uh, what am I, what is it going to do? Is it going to act correctly? Uh, so Chris, first of all, I want to ask you to kind of level set us. What, what exactly are we talking about? We're, we're talking about the speed of change or, uh, test plans and creating testable events. What is it? What does this mean? What is an, a testable event? So good thing. I've got a lot of history in this area. So testable events usually revolve around software development lifecycle. We come up with the requirements, we write some code, and then we have to test it. And there's two functional areas we do. We do functional testing, which is, does the application do what it's supposed to do? Are the screens presenting the data they're supposed to? On the other side, there's this whole thing called non-functional testing, which is really more IT specific. It's something that developers and engineers worry about. We, in the old days, we called it the abilities. It's a scalable, durable, reliable, securable. Now we have all sorts of non-functional testing for making sure that we have penetration testing and all the things like that. So those things happen, but they, they are very much IT resource intensive. Now, what's interesting is there are non-testable events that exist in our environment. And so in IT, I would say, I'm going to make a change, say, to an Excel spreadsheet. Now, if I make a change to a formula or change where I'm plotting a chart, that is not an IT SDLC because I didn't call Microsoft and say, hey, please rewrite Excel to create a bar chart for me, right? I'm using the building blocks of Excel, all the formulas, all the functionality that they gave me. So that's not an IT testable event. Now that may be something that I ask on my counterparts to review, but it's a business change. It's business logic specific. So there really are I think three types of testing, and a lot of people would say, classically, every textbook, there's functional and non-functional, but there's really a third one. There are business level changes, and if you're writing your applications right and you decouple those, then those changes are business-owned, business changes, and you don't get into this big, big SDLC changes that IT is notoriously long in the tooth for solving. So like the, the business level changes, that's something that I'm used to, right? So um, I'm basically the SaaS user and I am configuring rules. Uh, is that what you mean by- Even simpler. Level? Yeah. Like when you, you make it, say you've got a new article you're gonna publish onto our website, a new blog like this one. We don't retest the entire website for you to use the application to change the data on the website. You, you're going to publish it. You're going to eyeball it. You're going to say, Chris, here's the link. Look at it. Does it render correctly? Do you like the picture? And then it goes live. 
it's something you did as a business user, right? Those are business changes. We didn't have to retest the web server. We didn't talk to AWS about security. You just made a change to the application, right? True, true. So, John, in terms of what Chris is talking about, what is, what's the long tail? Like, where I, I would assume that there are there's costs involved with time in doing this. How do we how do we get out of you know the, the long tail of maybe a, a very expensive developer type to run right. all these tests all the time? Right. Well, the the, the challenge in even most if not all except ours, low or so-called no-code uh, automation platforms is that they actually do cause testable events whenever there's a change. And unfortunately, every generation of these case tools uh, that we've had in the market since I've been around has uh, optimized on construction, but not on change. So yeah. we change it, and now we trigger this uh, crisscross uh, just-defined testable event, which pulls in IT resources like developers, testers, dev environments, integration environments, performance labs, the, the InfoSec team, et cetera. We want something more like Excel or more like uh, uh, WordPress, right? That's what we're looking for. We want the ability to construct automation from the building blocks in such a way that we're not actually coding that wiring together. Right? You didn't write code per se to use a function in Excel. Microsoft test, tests the average function. You don't think to. And when you use it and you use it again, the second time nor the first time were a testable event. That's the model that we really need. And when we see other platforms that claim to be fast, citizen developer, no code, low code, and yet they're actually triggering a testable event every time you make a change to them, we think, ugh. We're still in the 40-year-old notion of case tools, and we're not getting anywhere. So that's the maybe single biggest thing that is difficult for us to describe to customers about how we perform very differently than others. But even in the abstract, even if you weren't considering Krista, you're going to need to find a way to change business automation, business-level automation, without triggering a testable event. Otherwise, you'll never keep up. And that's why you've got a backlog. And that's why you basically always cringe when someone says, I'll put it in the backlog for you, right? Because that basically means, okay, I'll never see that again. And it, 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 that backlog is rarely because the programmers can't write code. It's because of all of the other steps. Coding is usually one-sixth, one over six, the, of the time of an actual SDLC. So you really have to dig in and see how can I deploy with velocity and with reduced cost. And this is, I think, the single biggest way to get that. It's to separate the changes that do require SDLC, which within our platform are very few, versus the ones that can be performed without it. And that's the key, right? So Chris, and, and you know, you've obviously been in the testing world per se, and mm -hmm. I actually was partly responsible for pulling you in, into that yeah. world. Um, when, you, when, when you live in this world and you recognize you know, I can do things, I can enable my end users to do things that don't cause me to have to perform a retest. There's the velocity, right? Right. It's it's a big deal because the biggest fear when you want to make a change traditionally is, okay, I need an environment. So developers have an environment to code in. They have this environment that they do what's called build-in. And then QA has an environment. And every time QA needs to test something, 
they spend half their time, maybe 80% of their time setting up the data. The environments aren't ready. We need to reset the data. We need all the very special data for this use case. And we've learned through modern technology that stubbing and mocking solves a lot of that. So we, we don't want to get in that quagmire of everything's in environment hell. We need test data. We have reset databases. I need five expensive environments, one for developers, one for the build environment, one for the UAT, one for users, and one for security. It's crazy. Right. So this whole idea, can we actually decouple those and let business people just control the logic and test what they've changed is great because they don't really need to know how we got it to the database and back. They don't need to know those building blocks. This is a really big change in mindset that I think people need to consider. It's it's going to change velocity of how they deliver business logic changes. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So and, how and, would you how would you see it, Chris? So you said it's going to take a lot for someone to to see that, like. Like how how do you show it to them? Well, do you want do you want to actually say compare two things? Take an old case tool or say something you've developed, and you write the database connection that gets data in and out of the database, and then you write the middleware that puts it on the web page, and that's how we used to write apps. We used to write everything custom. These days, we use so many ERPs out there. Like I trust Oracle and SAP have done the testing all the backend layers. And when we talk about SAP and Oracle testing, we say we're configuring business rules. We test the changes for the business rules. We don't test the full stack. We don't go through functional testing. We trust that they deliver building blocks at work. So take that mindset, but apply it to everything you do. Because there's a, there's advantages in actually having pre-built building blocks that, that work and you don't have to test every time. You're just orchestrating on top of them. You're configuring business rules. You're making you know, rules-based engines. That doesn't require you to retest all of Oracle SAP. We've seen it in some parts of the world and some parts of IT, but classically people fall back to the everything's a testable event. And if I make every change, a change the developer does, I'm assuming they're gonna do it right the first time, but then it's this huge, huge effort to actually push it out. Yeah. And, and the challenge there, uh, just briefly, is that the, that other automation platforms are, are essentially a thin veneer over VBScript or JavaScript or something like that, or a code generator. And so even when you're in a WYSIWYG-like environment, you're basically just, that's, that's just basically a surrogate for code. So those changes are coding changes, and that regen of script or code is just something that has to be tested. You've got to get away from that. You need to find an architecture pattern that is code is necessary. If you're going to talk to systems, code will be involved. But you've got to isolate that. The way we do it, by the way, is with natural language. We literally have a natural language barrier, if you will, between the automation layer, where it's more of a configuration of the building blocks, and therefore not programming. It never it never compiles down to code or, or script. And below that, 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 that metadata is able to talk to, through English language-like phrases, what we want to do in terms of invoking backend systems, very much like the average function, right? We're not actually invoking an actual programming logic called average when we use average in the in Excel. We're telling Excel we want to do an average and it is invoking its own code, right? There is a layer there. We have a similar one. I think when the rest of the world adopts that in the automation space, they'll get that kind of velocity. Of course, we've that's we were built that way to begin with, but but that I think is super critical because 
If we cannot keep up with the mouth of the business and the need for this dynamic and high velocity change, automation projects will continue to be as we've seen them, where we're getting a certain amount of progress and we're, by the way, pulling down a bunch of automation we've had because we just can't maintain it. That lack of ability to keep up is inherently because of this testable event, SDLC being triggered, too much code, no distinction between integration technology and the business layer technology. So, John, the you know some IT leaders they don't want to change anything if it works, right? Like, don't it's it's everything works. Yeah. Don't change anything. Uh, don't break anything. Right. So if if I democratize the change agent, right? So I, I let I, I let people, uh, business mm -hmm. analysts or whoever, change rules all the time. Is I mean that seems scary, right? Because that's more change. Is well, so it's it's in fact exactly so. So by the way, I'm one of those IT people. Quit changing things like crazy that cause massive testable events. And by the way, we don't always understand the unintended consequences of the change here. The, the old phrase I used for years when I was too in the testing space specifically, you turn on the faucet in the kitchen and this commode explodes in the bathroom. This happens all the time in enterprise software. So what we've got to do is we've got to get those building blocks, as using Chris's phrase, built and tested. And there aren't that many more building blocks. There are hundreds of changes that need the building blocks, but they don't act, right? So the point is the, the we can't escape change at the business layer and at the user interface layer. Not only can we not escape it, we need to embrace it, but we need to be very resistant to it at the technology layer itself. And that is in fact what a really modern architecture can do for you. Yeah, and it, it happens, I guess people forget, people use Excel every day. They say, mm -hmm. At least in America, our companies run on Excel, right? Oh, There's yeah. no oh, that's way. A, it's a worldwide thing. 750 million users, active daily users of Excel was the last stat I saw. Right. No one is freaked out about SDLC on those things. It's become so easy to use. People don't do the wrong thing. Like if it, if it says, you know, add some of these two numbers, if you put a label that's text, it catches it, says, no, you cannot sum a text field. These must be numbers, right? It, it's... It's built in the usability, like you talked about that natural language, that usability inside right. of it, so right. you don't make dumb mistakes. So we've yes. learned to trust that you can build Excel, we can use formulas, average, mean, median, we can right. chart things, and we get the right, right answers. And, and Chris, you know this, Scott as well, Excel is the surrogate for tens of thousands of enterprise apps that it's, that it, you know, that they just, they, they can't get a, a full application built or changed so we're using Excel instead, and we're actually feeding a system of record at the end of a very long process. Has all kinds of issues from an enterprise security, of visibility, uh, all, all of the illities, right? But it sure is better than nothing. And and so so take the same velocity you would get from Excel, and now put that in the automation space. And wow, right? Wow, what we can accomplish. Yeah, and I yeah, think that, that makes sense. The speed, right? That yeah. that's the neat thing. It's like if you can ask someone, hey, redo this Excel, but add two more warehouses or pull these warehouses out. Give me a new simulation. The velocity in which people can make a change and give it to users is huge in Excel. If we could do that with our enterprise apps, if we could update an enterprise app quickly and not go through a three to four week testing cycle. Right. Just testing. Not, even, not even development. Just testing. That's right. Yeah. 
how happy would our users be? They would be ecstatic yep. that we gave them new functionality they needed. Maybe they wouldn't need as much Excel, you know, but it's like we would, they would even be happy because we could actually change the way we deliver things faster, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we just find a, a comfortable way to work uh, like Excel, right? Because people are comfortable with it. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, John, the data comes out, it very rarely goes back into the system. Like, it, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm guilty yeah. of that too, right? It's, um, it's, it is human nature. Uh, and, and by the way, you, you do want to embrace how people really want to work, right? That's why we have a both conversational and we use tables like crazy. And we, uh, we export to Excel and import from it too. You know, if you want to work in Excel, you do it in Excel and then just give it back to Krista. That sort of thing. So you're right. You just need to be, it, it's, there are things to like velocity at the business layer. You just have to embrace it. But the notion of, hey, if only we'd slow down, everything would be better. That's just, just, that's just, that's just not reality, right? Um, or if only our users would do this the way we really need them to, that usually, <laughs> yeah. is, that isn't either, right? We just, yeah. if, you ju if you just don't embrace people as they are, then you're just, you're just not going to get there. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chris, any closing thoughts? Like why, why is all this important? Um, you made no, several I, points about, uh, about, you know, non-functional and functional testing and you're our resident testing expert, why, you know, why is this a big deal? I, I think it comes down to if we let business control their rules, there's no misinterpretation of the rules and what, what the functionality was supposed to be. So put that in their hands. And then if we can isolate and they test their own changes and we don't force that into a development functional testing cycle and non-functional, we don't have implement this in hundreds of lines of code, they will get more changes up faster and the enterprise will get more changes faster. The business will have more velocity. Only good things come from that when the business can adapt more quickly. And putting separating IT changes from business changes is key. Right. No, I totally agree. And then, John, you said that you are one of these IT developer guys, right? I mean, you're you're running our company. You're in charge of uh, of all of, of our course. code. Why why is this important to you? Well, the, the ability for us to, to build those building blocks for our customers, the capabilities they have in their CRM exposed, the capabilities in their ERP exposed, that's a one-time built asset. The reuse of that asset only makes it more valuable in return on investment, right? Today, a new script integrating a, new, a system even for the 20th time is an expense, not a return on an existing investment. That's essentially the, another way of saying what Chris just said. So we, we love the fact that be resistant to have to build more connectivity, but when you, there's a value, you build it. That's the coding piece. But the configuring that into all kinds of automation scripts and all kinds of business rules and all kinds of ways that you may present that through chat, through thick uh, 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 desktop apps, through WhatsApp or on a mobile, none of that has anything to do with the code of that connectivity. And that is the velocity builder and an accelerator that we're just really excited to deliver. And yes, as wearing my old IT hat, you know, you want to wire up to our ERP 50 times and you want to constantly change stuff and you're constantly needing me to build you SAP environments so that you can run your tests. Get away from all of that. You don't want that, right? You want thousands of automations to touch SAP and you don't have any IT overhead in doing so. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So whether it's Krista or some other means you achieve it, that has to be the ingredient in getting our ability to raise the level of automation in an organization 
without that friction or drag or the tax of an SDLC every time it changes. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, John and Chris, uh, talking about the, the drag of IT resources for testing. Uh, <laughs> we, should do, you know, we should do less of that and, and innovate more. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time. Thanks for listening to The Union. I hope it was insightful and caused you to think about how you can influence technical advancements at your company. Please subscribe to the Union podcast series on your favorite podcast player to listen to past and future episodes. If you have a question for any of us or have a suggestion for the show, please email me at scott at Thanks for listening.